This is Hope FM. My guest now is absolutely no stranger if you're a regular listener to Hope FM. It's Sally Nevin. And Sally, of course, is the voice. Uh, and if, if truth be known, does most of the work behind Thanks for the Memory. Hi, Sally. Nice to see you, but in a different capacity. Yes, it's lovely to uh, to spend some more time with you, Blair. <laughs> now, let's begin with you know your your journey uh, to faith. I mean, how did how did that begin for you? I've probably always thought of myself as as being a Christian, but probably sort of on a fairly superficial level. And uh, it was only as I as I got older that I realised that uh, I was sort of I guess playing at being a Christian. You know, doing what was right for. For not the right reasons. I thought you probably and, didn't realise you were playing at being a Christian. No, but looking back, I, I can see that, uh, you know, I went to church in my local village because it, all the kids went to church and that was our youth club as well. And, and if I hadn't been part of that, I wouldn't have had anything to do. Mm. Um, but yeah, looking looking back, I can, I can see that it was very superficial. And but, of course, many of us do that. I mean, I used to go to the Boys Brigade and Life Boys and all that. The social sort of side of church life I used to really enjoy. But I guess a lot of people are like that. Yeah, I, th- I think I think they are, but I think as you grow and mature as an adult, you often grow and mature in your faith as well, and that that's certainly what what's happened to me. But and I think you continue to grow. Um, I've, the last sort of eight years while I've been at Emmanuel, I think I've taken a huge movement forward in in my journey of faith, and uh, I feel more confident in my faith. I'm I'm able to pray aloud without feeling uncomfortable. Um, I'm still working on getting to know the Bible as well as I should do, but I think we're all aren't we all on on, on, on that bit. So yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been it's, it's been a slow burner. So what was it that happened to you then that made the penny eventually drop and 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 realise if you like, actually, it's a bit more to this. It was when I was expecting my second child, and um, there were some complications, and uh, I we, we we thought that she was going to be born with some significant. Um, health issues and I'd already got a, a very small baby and and I was really anxious and upset and worried and uh, I, I, I can remember sitting in the car and I was at the roundabout by the Ivor Bridge pub and I said to God I don't know what to do please help me please tell me what I should do and I just felt this overwhelming sense of peace fall over me and I didn't hear the voice aloud but a voice in my head said everything will be all right whatever is wrong with this baby you will have what you need to cope so do not worry and going from a place of being so anxious I could barely eat and drink to being completely at peace there had to be you know that relationship there and God was very very personal to me at that moment and of course you said getting to that point where you cried out to God, you mean, and I guess that many people, you know, get so anxious. But maybe one of the last things that they even consider is perhaps talking to God about it. Yeah, and that's that's definitely the case with uh, with, with where I was on this on this journey at that point. That it, you know, God wasn't the first place I went to; He was the last place I went to when everything else had failed. And uh, and I've learned to go to to God in prayer a lot sooner. Um, and I've also learned that it's okay to ask other people to pray. For with me and for me if things are getting difficult and to do that early rather than wait until things are bad. Well, how did baby number two play out? Well, she did have some health issues and um, 
but they weren't as serious as, as they thought and she did actually need some surgeries as she got older but uh, she's fit and healthy and has made me a grandmother this year so uh, <laughs> I've been really blessed <laughs> Now of course I know your mum who sadly is no longer with us well she's in heaven so we can she say is. thank you God but she was a big influence on your life wasn't she? Oh she was she was somebody who was um, she she was always cheerful she had this this thing about um, in adversity you know you you didn't lose that sense of, of, of cheerfulness. Everybody comments on her smile. And it wasn't a forced smile. She had this really natural smile that brought joy to other people. And uh, she, she, her, her journey, particularly over the last few years, we were, we were really, really close. We spent a lot of time together. And uh, I learned a lot about, about perseverance, about overcoming things which... Um, I mean, she was put on the palliative care list because she had this problem, a breathing problem. They, they said, she, you know, she was going to be on that and she had two years. They had to take her off it because she wouldn't die. Um, you know, she was, Stubborn to the end. Yeah, oh, yes. Um, and sometimes that stubbornness was bad. But actually, I think in lots of ways, it was that um, and her faith that, that kept her going. And of course, um, she, was, she was a real public servant, wasn't she? Because she did many, many years on, on the council, didn't she? 19 years she was on Bournemouth Council representing Winton Ward. So, uh, yeah. uh, and yeah. so, w- w- in terms of your faith, then was it, was your mum a great encourager? <laughs> she used to encourage us to go to Sunday school when we were little, but I think it was because my brother and I fought a lot, and she wanted us out of the Peace house. And quiet. <laughs> she want, She was obviously a very sensible lady. Yeah. Um, I mean, she she had a faith, but it didn't really sort of show itself until she got older, and uh, um, she. She got very involved in Throop United Reformed Church, um, which is sadly no longer there. And her faith grew while she was there. And it, it was it was great because I think in some ways we sort of grew together because of that. And I can remember when she was in hospital waiting to go to surgery, going and sitting by her bed and praying with her and reading the Bible with her. And it was an operation she may not have come out of. And both of us feeling so blessed by God in that time. And just this sense, again, like I had with, with, with my daughter, a sense that, you know, it was in God's hands. And if it's in God's hands, that's fine. That's enough. Um, yeah, it was, it was quite remarkable, actually. And she was a very remarkable lady. So there you were. So obviously, uh, you know, the, the penny dropped and faith became very real. But did you ever have aspirations that a lot of your vocational life would actually be spent, you know, working for the church and being very heavily involved in, well, lots of aspects of ministry? Well, I I used to get very involved in in some of the worship at the church um, I was at at the time. So I um, I often read, I did poems, um, I do drama, I got involved in the choir. And I just got this sense that God was calling me to something a bit more and it was suggested that I candidated for lay ministry in the church and uh, I came up with lots of reasons why I couldn't. (laughs) Um, I thought I wasn't good enough for a start. I'd look at people in the pulpit preaching and think, well, you know, they're obviously better Christians than I am because, you know, they must be. They're they're up there and and I'm sort of here. Of course, it doesn't automatically follow, does it? (laughs) No, no. It took a while for that penny to drop as well. Um, And then um, when I was expecting my third baby... um, I got this really strong message from God that that was what I was being called to do. and So three babies plus something else. <laughs> so while I was expecting my third child, I started to, uh, to, to train as a lay 
uh, a lay preacher in the Methodist church. And uh, I, I trained with this lovely, lovely guy who, um, who'd also got some challenges. He'd um, got cystic fibrosis and uh, had a, a double lung transplant and had loads of health issues. And we, we did this journey together and it, it was just really great. So to you work just with hit him. it off. We did. Yes. And um, so I, I finished my training as a, as a local preacher and I used to go out and absolutely loved that sense of sort of being able to bring the word uh, you know the word to people um, but there was sort of it still didn't feel as though that was that, that God had finished with me at that point and uh, with some reluctance initially I put my name forward to candidate for ordained ministry in Methodist Church and I was told that um, I was getting towards the upper end of the age range and that, you know, I needed to do something sort of fairly quickly, but I also needed to get some relevant experience to whichever area of ministry I thought God was calling me to. And so I've put alongside a, a lovely minister, um, a lovely, lovely, fantastic lady, and her gifting was definitely with older people. So she took me into day centres, to care homes, to do home communions for people who were shut in. And I realised that this was a whole ministry area that I felt was right for me. So I honed my um, desire to candidate, what I thought God was calling me to candidate for, to be a deacon in the Methodist church. So I, I started the process rolling. And then the job at Emmanuel came up. And I thought, this is perfect. It was a two-year post. I had to do two years' experience uh, with some study alongside. And this was part-time allegedly <laughs> and <laughs> we've all heard about those part-time jobs <laughs> and uh, it just seemed to be a perfect fit but within weeks of starting at Emmanuel um, I felt God was closing the doors on me going for the ordained ministry and I very much got the sense that that God had you know was happy where I was that was where where he'd planned me to be and I no longer felt the call to ordain ministry um, and so you're obviously a square peg in a square hole you you find your niche didn't you oh gosh definitely definitely yeah now of course uh, i mean working with with older people you know uh, involves so many things that w- I, I guess you cut your teeth you know at a manual in the, in those early days uh, how did it play out for you were you were you were you confident in doing it no in the, in the early days i hadn't got a clue what i was doing um, the person I'd taken over from was only doing four hours a week and I was doing 28. Um, I had a lot of hours to fill. Um, I'd, I'd actually become quite um, um, low in, in my view of myself at that point because all the while I was, you know, candidating, I didn't feel good about myself. I, 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 I so your just, confidence didn't build even with all that training that you were doing? No, um, my self-esteem was really, really low. And... I, the first couple of days I was there, it was, what have I done? You know, what on earth have I done? I've got myself into this job and I haven't got a clue what I'm doing. And it was, yeah, it was really, really hard. Um, I got good support from the church. They, you know, everyone was really, really lovely. But I felt that, you know, I was out of my depth. Um, but we had a lovely youth worker, Hayden, who'd only started the week before me. And he was such a source of comfort and, and encouragement. And he was feeling a bit the same because it was his first um, post out of studying at Morelands. And we sort of 
I guess we pulled each other along initially in those first few weeks and months. But then once we start, I started doing new things and getting things underway, it all started to drop into place. And, uh, you know, we've got a, a really busy programme of activities for older people. And I love all the different things that we do because they all set off different challenges and satisfy different needs in people's lives. Um, it's just absolutely mm. incredible. Now, of course, we, we both have the joy of worshiping at Emmanuel Church over over in Southbourne, and, and of course, one of the one of the building blocks of, of the church is the community. And and I guess that there there are just so many people that that come in. I mean, it seems to me that particularly dur- during the lockdown, of course, although there were many challenges, that the need just seemed to get greater and greater, particularly with loneliness and isolation. How, how did you cope with all of that? Well, initially during the lockdown, it was a challenge because we could only really stay in touch with the people we already knew because we'd got their information and we couldn't advertise and go out there like we would otherwise have done. Um, But we gradually sort of started to come up with um, ways of keeping people in touch and getting the message out there a bit further. So we did telephone conference calls um, and a whole range of different things. Every day there was something different that people could join into. It kept those who were already part of the community of the church um, engaged with what was going on and we were able to sort of keep a little bit of an eye on them make sure that they were safe but we were also able to welcome new people in because we had something that we could offer them and uh, we had over 200 people on our call list during the week and some would only come to one or two things during the week but some would come to something virtually every day and it was wonderful with one particular lady who um she's she wouldn't call herself well i think she'd call herself a christian but she she didn't feel she'd got a strong faith and we used to do tuesday mornings we'd have a psalm and we would just look at a psalm and just unpick it a little bit and and then just spend a bit of time in prayer and she used to absolutely love coming along to this uh, this psalm and she wanted to know each week what the psalm was and she wrote it down and she'd read it again and she you know we were able to see her really grow in her faith just on a telephone call it was it was really really encouraging for me that i could still do something for people and of course although there are a number of people who would go to church and we 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 would certainly be christians and so on a, a lot of your work is for people who wouldn't necessarily call themselves a card carrying believer at the moment would they but it's, no but the outreach work nevertheless has become yeah. all the more critical it it has and actually some of the people that i work with despite the fact they were coming to activities in the church that other groups were doing, were actually quite anti-church. It was, well, we're only using the building. Um, And in some of those, of the people I've seen the biggest change in, because by showing showing Christ in in the life of the church and and being outward-looking and being very welcoming, they've seen a side of church that perhaps they haven't experienced before. And we've seen one or two people who... At the beginning was sort of don't talk to me about anything to do with church to you know really engaging and often that comes from a bad experience that they've had or or, or some some other negative view that has come out of somewhere in their life's experience i think so um if you've had a bad experience of church particularly i think it can be very very painful and uh, can take a lot of getting over and i think it's one of those things you have to then show people mm-hmm. how church can be to get them to overcome you can't talk to them about it but you can show them and i think showing christ's love to the people that we you know we have come into the building whether they believe or not 
is is a really good outreach. And of course, you you'll be leaving me in a moment. You know, uh, well, at the top of the hour at eleven, and you know, at eleven o'clock, and then you'll be speeding your way back to Emmanuel because you, uh, one of your groups is meeting. Yes, yeah, we have a Wednesday uh, lunch club that meet every week, and uh, this week uh, we have our our Christmas uh, festivities. So uh, we've got uh, uh, you know quite a few people coming to uh, to enjoy. A full Christmas lunch with us today, but you've got you've got all your your little team because obviously volunteers have become a very big part of of, of your life, and you've got you've got an ever growing team of people who are working with you. The, the volunteers are what what makes the difference because I couldn't do even a quarter of what I do if it wasn't for the volunteers who very kindly give up their time to work alongside me, and they are such an amazing bunch. Um, yeah, they they work really really hard. They they, they're reliable and committed and uh, the the guests who come to the things that we do form relationships with all the volunteers as well. It's not just me. I mean, I may be the, the person up front a lot of the time, but they know the people who help in the kitchen on a Wednesday. Um, and it, it, it's really, really good to see those bonds being, uh, you know, being made and shared. Uh, yeah, it's, it's 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 absolutely brilliant. I love it. This is Hope FM. Well, Sally Nevitt, my co-host on Thanks for the Memory, has been my very special guest. And we've been getting to know Sally a little bit better, talking about her life and work. Now, of course, you were saying earlier on that when you were studying for lay ministry and all of that, and, and you, you started out, you know, lacking in confidence. Of course, now you're doing the whole shamami, aren't you? I mean, you're, you take funerals, and you, you, you're, you're leading multiple groups, largely focusing on on. On older people, but not exclusively. You you preach within uh, within uh, church life, and you do a lot of pastoral things, as well as, of course, being involved uh, with care homes in in the local area. Sally, how do you how do you manage to keep it all up and still have the family to run? I think I think I've learned a lot about you know working with God with this, and um, just just sort of you know being organized being planned but but just letting god intervene when you know when things get uh, challenging so like i said to you earlier about asking for prayer when i feel i've got a stress point coming up um because that makes such a difference and i've got some wonderful prayer warriors at emmanuel church who i can just go to and say i need some prayer today and, <laughs> and, and they do they drop whatever they're doing and they pray with me so that that's you know, and have the confidence. Have your confidence levels, uh, you know, grown as you've been doing things. They, they, they definitely have. It still doesn't take much to um, knock my confidence, unfortunately. But I think that's, you well, know, that's me. Well, of course, every time I've seen you, you know, uh, either publicly, and we have been, we, we've been able to do lots of things together, you know, whether in church or, or here on the radio. But you've always seemed to me to be to come over very well prepared. And certainly um, the last thing that I would put on any of this regarding you would be lacking in confidence. Of course, Christmas, you know, it's, it's a wonderful time of year. And, and I know you're, you're leaving here in a moment to go and have another celebration with, with older people. But, but of course, with a lot of older people, um, it, it can be a very sad time, particularly in terms of bereavement and so on. I know that many of the people that you work with have, loved, have lost loved ones, people who are, who are near and dear to them. How, how are you able to bring them comfort, Sally? I share with them, you know, my own experience because um, I lost my mother around Christmas time three years ago and I know how, how hard it is to, 
you know, to be without somebody who's been such a significant part of your life. And I know the relationships are different with different people, but I, I think the love is the same. And, uh, it, you know, it's, it's just about getting alongside people and, and, and listening. Um, and sometimes people just need a good listening ear and maybe even the odd cuddle or two. Yeah, yeah. And and, and prayer. Um, there's the, we've got a lovely lady who comes to church who, uh, um, you know, she's... She, She's still coming to terms with losing her husband last year. And uh, and I think the lockdown's made it harder for people who've lost somebody they've loved because they haven't been able to grieve in the way that they would have done. Perhaps the funeral's been very limited or, you know, completely restricted if it was, you know, when we had the m- most severe restrictions. So, yeah, it's just, just about getting alongside people and providing opportunities for them as well to express that grief. So this Saturday morning we're working with uh, Derek Scotts, the funeral director's, and we're having a memorial service at 11 o'clock and that's an opportunity for people who've lost somebody, not necessarily just this year, but who are still feeling that strong sense of loss to come along and be part of something uh, that m- will hopefully bring them some comfort. So that's 11 o'clock? 11 o'clock Saturday morning. And is, can anyone come to Anybody that? can come, yes. Fantastic. Yeah. Now, of course, as well as that, I mean, you've got a host of activity. You're going to be a busy bee over this this run up, the final run up to the big day. Oh yes. It's, uh, tell us some of the other things that you're doing. Beginning today, of course. Beginning today, well, we've got the, the Christmas lunch, and then after the Christmas lunch, um, we've got a little team coming in, and we're going to be wrapping 150 presents for Father Christmas to give the children who come to our um, family extravaganza next week. Um, Tomorrow, um, I'm doing a, a, a tea in one of the local uh, sheltered houses for about 30 people. I never know how many people are going to turn up. That's a challenge. Friday, we've got our Christmas party for our Songs for the Mind and uh, our film club. So there'll be a little bit more than we would normally do. Um, and then next week, it's it's sort of full on into um, Christmas activities. So Sunday, I'm hopefully... COVID permitting, going to visit two care homes to take a little Christmas uh, service into them. And uh, then, as I say, the family extravaganza Wednesday, we've got to get prepared for that. Um, that's going to be quite a big thing. Um, Thursday, we're showing a film, family film. So, yeah, lots going on as well as our normal services. So, so do you check out Emmanuel's Facebook page or the, we- or the church website and you'll get details of all that there. And, of course, that's where you will find Sally in person. But you'll also find her here on Hope FM, uh, uh, certainly every Wednesday with me doing Thanks for the Memory. Have you enjoyed doing it? We started doing Thanks for the Memory because, obviously, uh, one of the groups that Sally works with are people with memory loss and so on. Well, of course, with COVID... Uh, uh, then people could no longer go to those groups and so on, though it's beginning to open up a wee bit now. But uh, but you, we designed Thanks for the Memory, uh, particularly as a programme that would help people uh, who, who maybe have memory loss challenges. Have you been enjoying it? I absolutely love it. The first couple of weeks, I was terrified. <laughs> um, but uh, no, it, it's great fun. I really, en- I really enjoy it sort of pulling the programme together. I, I enjoy the bit of banter we have together, Blair, I think. Um, yes, and we, ha- we have plenty of that. We do, we do. <laughs> no, it, 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 it's a real joy. And Sally will be back with you uh, next next Wednesday. I'm not yes. going to be here, but Dan said, can I do it, can I do it? And I said, well, you know, how much would you pay me? You know, and, and, uh, but Dan's going to be sat opposite you next week, Sally, and then you, you, you'll have uh, a wee bit of a, a rest, which is a week. Yes. Rest, and then back for, for a whole new series of Thanks for the Memory uh, 
in the new year. Well, Sally, I just wanted to uh, to thank you. I, I've got a little gift here for you. You, you don't oh, need to open it oh, now. Blair. You can put it onto your tree. But thank it's just, you. It's just my way of saying a really big thank you. You've been a delight uh, oh. to work with, and I look forward to continuing that, you know, into the new year. This is Hope FM.